when we're on tour, when we're on the road, we literally do three workouts a day. We'll start in the morning, and mostly it's with stretching and yoga. It's a long walk, stretching and yoga, just to get our bodies warmed up and stretched out. And then before lunch, we usually run the steps in the stadiums or the arena, wherever we happen to be playing, or run the lawn in the amphitheaters that we're playing. And that's our midday thing. And then after that, we have lunch, and then we take a little bit of break, and everybody rests a little bit. And then usually around 3.30 or so in the afternoons when we start our combination of sort of, um, I don't know, functional fitness in, in the afternoon. And that's our third workout of the day. And if we don't do that, if we don't get those in, we we feel it on stage. But... I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is the Rise Podcast. Tim, I'm so grateful that you came on the show today. Uh, it feels absolutely surreal to be talking to you. I will process this later and scream about the fact that I'm talking to Tim McGraw, but right now I'm going to try and <laughs> just be cool is my is my goal. Uh, but I'd love to tell, um, or I'd love to hear you tell the audience uh, what you're up to and what project you're working on that we're here to talk about. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. It's good talking to you. Um, gosh, you, you done uh been such an inspiration to so many people so I, i'm i feel like i'm lucky to be able to talk to you <laughs> um you know I, what i'm working on now i'm working constantly working on a lot of things um you know earlier in the year i wrote a book with john meacham who, who's a, a, a incredible historian presidential historian we wrote a book together about songs of america and that was one of the projects worked on earlier and while we were doing that we were also working on our new book grit and grace um about sort of my journey into fitness and, and uh, how it's affected me, my family, my career, um, all the things that I do, and how I think it's given me longevity in my career. Worked on that, and, and we've worked on an album all year this year too, as well. So, so we've been pretty busy. So tell me then about the fitness journey and what that looked like for you. Like what was the impetus to make change, and then what was the change? Well, gosh, you know what? I've always been an athlete. Um, I grew up being an athlete. Uh, look, there's there, athleticism is in my DNA. You know, mm-hmm. my my dad was a professional baseball player. My uncle was a professional baseball player. So, so it's been a part of sort of um, my thought process since early in my years before I even realized who my dad was, which is a whole other story. Up, up, up through through now, so I tried to stay in shape and it was always part of my routine to work out but I went through a period of time um after having kids and and uh being really busy on the road that I that I sort of fell out of the routine of taking care of myself and and got a little bit more involved in the road life and and staying up really late and getting up really late and and not taking care of myself in the meantime um we went to I took my daughters I don't know about 10 11 years ago I took my daughters Faith and I to a to a holiday movie, and I had just uh, been in a film and didn't realize that the trailer of that film was going to be on before we started watching this film. And I'm sitting there with my daughters, and the, the first trailer that comes on is the movie that I was in, and the first image up was a huge picture of me or, or a scene of me 
on the screen, and those screens are really big, but my <laughs> face filled the entire screen, and I, I was sort of shocked. They say the camera adds 10 pounds, so there must have been about 20 cameras on me at the time, <laughs> and my daughter looked over at me and says, geez, Dad, you look really big. You need to do something. Yeah. And and that was that was pretty much the impetus. I mean, there were a lot of things going on at the time that put, were pushing me in that direction anyway, but that was what put me over the top. And, and it was a realization that, you know, I, I have a pretty darn good life. You know, I've got I'm at the top of my career. I've been fortunate to have so many things and opportunities put in my path. Um, and I'm not taking advantage of them like I should. I'm not taking care of myself, which in turn allows me to take care of the people that I love. And I wanted to be around for my kids. I wanted to see my daughters grow up and see what they made out of their lives and be around for their kids and be be active and and uh, and in it enough to be able to do things physically and actively with my grandchildren somewhere down the line. So it was it was a sort of a big picture thought process that turned into a, a day by day implication or implementation, I guess I should say. So what I think is so interesting for someone who hasn't made uh, a health journey is that I don't know that if you if you haven't done it before, you don't understand that it really is a journey. So plenty of us can get excited about, hey, we want to make a change and maybe I'm going to go on a diet or I want to get in shape for my sister's wedding. But I mean, even just as a fan kind of watching your career over the last like 10, 15 years watching that change, it wasn't all at once. It was something that you've implemented over time. Isn't that right? It is. It, you know, it, it, it started out for me as just getting up every day and walking. Mm. I mean, that was just really a part of what I decided to do, is just get moving every day and, and try to be as consistent as possible. And look, I'm like I said before, it, it, it's in my DNA, so I'm certainly probably a little more hard hardwired to, to be extreme in what I do. Um, but the way I've done it and the way we lay it out in the book, it, it, you can find ways to start, whether you've been in shape before or never started to work out in your life, you can find ways to start and, and keep going. And, and for me, it's about consistency. I mean, mm-hmm. anything that you do is consistent. And it's the best thing that I've found. Of course, it's good, good for your body. It's good for your longevity. It's good for your your you know, how long you, you'll be around to be there for your children and your kids and your family and the people you love and your friends, but it's also so mentally rewarding. Mm-hmm. For, and it puts you in a really good place in your head. You know, look, I fail all the time. I'm constantly falling down. I'm constantly making the wrong decisions. I I'm, I'm letting people down all the time. But what I found out through my journey and and through my fitness and what it's done for me mentally is that, you know, the times that I have my lows or I hit my low low points or I make the wrong decisions or I hit the ditch, I think I'm able to get back to a place where I need to be a lot quicker. Absolutely. So when you decide to make this change, you, you talk about, you know, you start walking. What did it look like to make change with your nutrition? Because, you know, if you're living life on the road, you're probably indulging, you're having some fun. I mean, you're Southern. We're not really known for our, you know, kale eating. So no. how, how, how did that road look for you? Yeah, I mean, look, I tried to explore ways to eat as good as I possibly could. Um, and my, I have go-to plans that I, if, if I'm getting out of hand or if I feel like that I'm, I really have something coming up that I really want to get into or, or really the first 
couple of years of, of, of trying to dial in my fitness and drop some weight and, and, um, transform my body a bit. Um, I just, I found a diet that worked for me and, and I'm pretty, um, I guess, uh, structure driven. I mean, there's a part of me that rebels against structure, but that's also the part of me that really needs structure in my life to be mm-hmm. able to do the things that I need to do. So what I found is, is I mean, if, and in my book, we, we put some of these things in there, but gosh, I was, I started doing almost the same meal just about every day. I yep. would start with oatmeal in the morning and then I would do tuna and avocado for lunch. And then I would do grilled chicken, broccoli and quinoa for dinner. And I did that probably at least five nights a week, every week for a couple of years. It was mm-hmm. sort of my go-to diet. But I also, I mean, gosh, I love a cheeseburger. So yeah. I got, I want to have a cheeseburger every now and then. So what I learned to do is 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 sort of earn the 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 indulgences. When you want an indulgence, go out and earn it, and I put extra time in. And that's sort of the way I I approach my diet. And and I guess a lot of times, if you get your fire burning, when you're the way that you need it burning, where it's really constantly working for you, it mm-hmm. allows you to to have those days even even more. That you can that you can sort of cheat a little bit. Totally, I, I think I've found that in my own, you know, nutrition. And when I really got into, um, I don't want to say lifting because I'm not a bodybuilder by any stretch of the imagination. But when I incorporated more strength training as opposed to cardio, I saw such a difference in what I was able to eat and like really not have it affect me in the way that it would have years before. Yeah, strength training is is, is really a, a big deal for me. I, I don't do. A, I mean, I'm no no bodybuilder as well, and and I like cardio just as much as anybody. I mean, well, not probably more than anybody. But cardio is not people's favorite, but but uh, the combination of the two really adds so much dimension to to your body and what you can do with your body and what you can eat. I'm curious as you begin to make this change. Um, you know, you talked about being on the road and what that life was like, and. Um, you made the decision, but you're also, it's not like you're not going to be on the road anymore. You're, and there's a good chance that maybe you're surrounded by people who you used to have some of those indulgences with. So, you know, for our listeners who maybe are walking through not the same situation, but they want to make a change, but those experiences, those people, those triggers still exist for them. How did you kind of, I mean, was it about a total reset or was it about preparing before you were in those situations to make sure that you were able to stay on your plan? I think for me, it was almost a total reset. And, And what was the most important thing was the people who were around me got on board. Mm. You know, the camaraderie of of my crew and my band is so important to me and it's such a huge part of well it's the biggest part of my success and what allows me to be able to do what I do professionally but but also physically and and everybody got on board I mean it's sort you you have to build a community around you who are supportive and and you know those people instantly when you start on your journey who are who's going to be there to support you and boy all of my guys are there to support me and and we have workouts every single day mm-hmm. when we're on the road yeah. we, we call it our gorilla yard but we have everything <laughs> out on the out on the ground we have the battle ropes and the tires and sledgehammers and kettlebells and all those things and and we go through routines every afternoon that's awesome um, and they they're out there with me and, and the good thing about it is it's a time for us to really talk and 
laugh and share maybe some of our personal trials that we're going through because it's sort of a sacred place for us when we're doing that and a, and a good chance to talk as friends and not as boss and employees. Um, and it's also a good time to talk about what we're doing professionally on the stage. We come up with ideas all the time. Our brains are working. We're talking. We're free. Everybody throws in ideas, which I always appreciate because the thing that I've learned through the almost 30 years that I've been doing this is that, boy, there are, there are people, if you're smart, there are people who work for you, have a lot better ideas than you do sometimes, and you need to pay attention and listen. And those are the times when those avenues sort of open up between us and we can really talk about things and and have open minds to each other about what we need to do professionally, but also personally what we need help with and, and what kind of support we need from each other. I'm curious, you know, as you're talking about being on tour, what your day-to-day looks like uh, in preparation for tour and being on tour and how that's different than an average Wednesday in the middle of November. Like, you know, like, are you, I assume that maybe you're eating differently or training differently to have the endurance to keep up with, with a tour. Is that accurate? It is accurate. And look, I, I, I try not to ever miss a day of working out Mm -hmm. because I know in my busy schedule every now and then days are going to pop up out of nowhere, whether it be personally or professionally, that I'm just not going to have time. And those those days are forced upon me where I don't have time to work out. So I, I, I never plan a, an off day and I never try, I try not to miss a day. Now, some days are lighter than others. And I always have a saying that some days are diamonds and some days ain't, yeah. <laughs> but, but you still have to do something. And you always, typically you always feel better after you do something. But when I'm getting prepared to either go on tour or maybe do a movie or, or some sort of a, now, maybe an award show or some sort of appearance, there is a routine that I fall into, which goes back to that diet that I was talking about earlier, which I will I get strict on during those times. And 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 then I'll do, usually I'll do two-a-day workouts. I will do one in the morning mm-hmm. and one in the afternoon. And, and in between the meals that I explained earlier, I'll add protein shakes to the in between those. And I'll bring in Roger Wan, who I talk about a lot in the book, who's sort of my fitness guru. We, I call him Yoda. He he really, really dials in what I do and gets me out of some of the bad habits that I get into when I'm on my own. And, you know, you get a little lazy and you start doing the same things over and over again. And maybe your form gets a little out of whack. And he comes in when I'm getting ready to tour or or do the things I was talking about earlier. And that sort of dials in my my shape. And he calls it body shaping. He sort of looks at me and sees where I need work, and we start working on it that way. And so I'll I'll get into a morning routine, and then, you know, the rest of the afternoon is usually spent rehearsing with my band, and then I'll come home and do an afternoon routine. I think that it's something, if, if listeners don't know this, it's definitely something that I didn't understand 10, 15 years ago. But People think that you get your energy like, oh, if you get sleep or and that matters. But there's this line that I love that says a power plant doesn't have energy. It makes energy. And I think it's the same for us. Like if you want the energy to be able to keep up with an intense schedule and you're on stage and you're doing press and all of the stuff, you actually have to work harder than people realize. Absolutely. I mean, gosh, if if I don't work hard – I, I feel it, and mm-hmm. my band has begun to feel that, and we talk about that all the time. We talk about that some of the days where we don't get a chance to work out or d- don't get a chance to work out as hard as we really want to, 
that we're sluggish on stage that night. And we get asked the question all the time. So certainly when we have, you know, sort of opening acts or new people on the road with us that haven't seen the schedule that we, that we keep. I mean, gosh, when we're on tour, when we're on the road, we literally do three workouts a day. Wow. Now, not everybody does that, but a majority of us do that. We'll start in the morning and mostly it's with stretching and yoga in the mornings to really, it's a long walk, stretching and yoga, just to get our bodies warmed up and stretched out. And But it, but it's not, uh, it's more active yoga, I guess, where where there's some muscle building involved with it. And then, then after lunch, or before lunch, we usually run the steps in the stadiums or the arena, wherever we happen to be playing, or run the lawn oh, wow. in the amphitheaters that we're playing. And that's our midday thing. And then after that, we have lunch, and then we take a little bit of break, and everybody rests a little bit. And then usually around 3.30 or so in the afternoons when we start our sort of, it's not really, we, we call it CrossFit, but it's not really classic CrossFit. It's a combination of sort of, um, I don't know, functional fitness and and throwing things around um, in the afternoon, and that's our third workout of the day. And if we don't do that, if we don't get those in, we we feel it on stage. But we look around sometimes at night while we're on stage and see the energy that we have, mm-hmm. and uh, the energy which transfers into the audience, and it's sort of a, a symbiotic relationship when that happens. And we know that what we put the work we put in that day is really what makes our show what it is, and and that's what we explain to to artists or other acts or other crews and bands that come out on the road with us. And they ask, how can you put all of that work in during the day and have enough energy for the night? And I said, well, if we, we've come to realize that if we don't put that work in and, and get that work in during the day that we don't have the energy that we need. Absolutely. I, okay. I wasn't going to tell this story, but I feel like since you mentioned stadium stairs, you just set me up too good for it to not mention. (laughs) So years ago, I was seven months pregnant with my second son. And this was when uh, you and Faith were on tour together. And I can't remember. It was like the first time y'all went on tour together. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, well, I mean, gosh, maybe, maybe I don't even know. Maybe you've been on tour like 17 times and I'm making up the number, but. Well, we've been on, we've been on tour, the Soul to Soul tours three times, but we met on tour the first time. Okay. So this is the second time then. You were at Staples Center. I'm seven months pregnant. I had gone to get a drink, and as I'm walking back down the steps, you, you know, barbecue stand on the white T-shirt, like, my song comes on. And I'm <laughs> so excited, because this is my song to sing as loud as I possibly can. And I turn around to tell my sister, oh, my God, it's my song. And I trip and fall down every step in the Staples Center Seven months pregnant. Oh my and gosh. That I mean, had to be scary. Oh, I was fine and the baby is fine. He is eleven years old now. But if you want to see a crowd of people come to the I mean, watching a pregnant woman roll down the steps like I got a barbecue stand on a white t shirt <laughs> oh and I'm God. like rolling like a bowling ball down the Staples Center steps. That is my favorite Tim McGraw memory. You were not aware of it, but there you go. Oh my God. <laughs> well I'm glad I'm glad everything turned out yeah, all right. He's fine. Nope, he's fine. He's doing great. He has a you know, he's got a never mind. I was gonna make a joke <laughs> anyway. Um you know, I have a question, not a, a little bit maybe about health, but kind of Leaning in another direction, because I don't often have the chance to speak to someone at your level, and this is something I ponder and am curious about all of the time. 
You said earlier, you know, you've been doing this for 30 years. Like, I remember being a little girl at Girl Scout camp, singing your songs. Like, you have been around. You've been around my whole life. At some point. Well, I mean, I started when I was in the sixth grade. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, But there is, long ago, long ago, you had won the awards. You had made the money. You had achieved success in your field and an extraordinary success. So at at some point, and I'm guessing this was years back, like you had hit the pinnacle. What makes you keep going? Like what makes you keep trying? What makes you reach for excellence? Because there are so many performers in your space who would not be out there working out three times a day just so that they could do an excellent, like that they could give back to the audience in that way. So what is that motivation after all of this time? Well, you know, gosh, that's a good question. You know, I think for me, it ultimately goes back to to feeling like I'm not, I always have something to learn. Feeling like I'm, I want to live up to the success that I've had and try to get my abilities equal to what I think my, or my abilities as, as I see them equal to what the perception is of what I do. Um, I, I always want to work harder and learn more. I mean, I guess it goes back to the athlete in me that I always feel like that there's another Super Bowl in me. So I want to mm-hmm. keep working hard in order to get the opportunity to, opportunity to do that. And now, you know, I feel like, boy, I feel fortunate, grateful, lucky in a lot of ways that to had the avenue of success that I've had and the, the doors open up for me that I've had open up for me and, and uh, the life that I've had. And certainly, gosh, country music has given me everything good in my life. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't married, met, married and had the family that I have with my incredibly perfect wife that I, that I had if it wasn't for country music. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I owe a lot to country music and I owe a lot to my fans and I owe a lot to myself to work harder. Um, I feel like I'm just now understanding what it is that I do and how to do it. And then there's the flip side of, um, you know, my children being young during that during those times. And now that they're 22, 21, and almost 18 years old, I, I kind of want to keep doing it because I want them to enjoy it as young adults, you know, and, and, and see what it is that I do and and see how hard I work and maybe set an example for them to work hard in their lives, which they all do. Do you feel some kind of pressure with, I mean, you talked about writing an album. Do you feel some kind of pressure with each release to level up or is each album its own artistic piece? It's its own thing. It gets to stand alone. I I think it gets to stand alone. Look, I I don't, I'm not one of these, maybe one day I will and, and Certainly, maybe when I'm finished, I'll do that. But gosh, I, I'm not very good at looking behind, looking back. Um, gosh, I, I have a hard time putting a timeline together of when things happened and what went on. And and um, maybe I have a, maybe it's like a quarterback who, who throws a lot of interceptions and has a short memory so they can keep moving forward yeah. and keep playing hard. Um, I tend to look way forward more than I look back. So every project to me is almost like, Another chance to try to step up my game and prove that I can get better, and that's what I really try to do. And and uh, and I try to create a sort of a tapestry of life with every record that I make. 
This is a, a question. I don't know how um, serving of the audience it is. It's like fully self-serving of me. But I'm curious, have you ever had something uh, – you have such a big career. But was there ever something that was such a breakout? Maybe this was earlier on in your career. It was such a monster that you felt um, like it was hard to make something else? Or do you really feel like you've always had that that – belief that like, okay, the past is the past and now we're moving forward. I think the, I've always had the belief that the past is the past and I'm moving forward, but there have been certainly, um, ex, I guess as ex existential moments that have stood out in my career that have pushed, that have sort of raised the bar and elevated what I was doing. Certainly right at the very beginning of my career, I can remember a moment where we had, Indian outlaw out and I had booked gosh I would, had booked a ton I was playing a lot like a small clubs <laughs> yep um clubs that held like maybe 500 or 800 people and we were booked pretty solid doing those clubs and then Indian outlaw came out which was off of my second album the first album didn't really do anything and and uh when that song came out it blew up really big really quickly but what I didn't want to do is because I thought maybe this will be the only song that I have that does anything. So I didn't cancel any of my club shows because I didn't <laughs> want to make any of those guys angry because I thought well, I'll have to go back and play these clubs again. And if I cancel these shows, then maybe I won't have good relationships with these people. So I kept all of my club shows. So we were doing clubs that held 500, 600, 700 people. And we would show up at the club and there would be lines almost a mile long to get in. Oh my gosh. And they would be packed to the rafters and there would be 2000 people outside the club just listening throughout through the doors, the outside of the club. And that's when we realized, gosh, something's really changing. And then we would be doing stadiums. I mean, not stadiums, but arenas on the weekends sometimes as well. So we would do maybe a Wednesday, Thursday night, we would be playing a 500, 600 seat club. And then on Friday and Saturday, we'd be playing a a, a 15,000 seat arena at that time. But the moment we really felt like something was changing is we were playing Houston, Texas one night. And it was probably an 800 seat club and it was packed to the rafters. And the club owners had set up big screen TVs outside in the parking lots. And the parking lots were packed full of people. And we started singing Don't Take the Girl. And everybody in the club, we just quit playing. And everybody in the club, and we could even hear from the outside people singing along to that song. And my band and I sort of looked around at each other and said, my gosh, there's something really going on here. Maybe we won't have to worry about our rent for a while. Yeah. But you just kept – there wasn't the hesitation to create something new. You just kept head down in the work. Is that right? Yeah. Just it's, – it's, look, to, ultimately, there are people who work any number of jobs here in Nashville who can sing circles around me, who are better artists than I'll ever be, that nobody will ever hear. Um, so I, I feel like that there's a responsibility not only to my fans, to myself, to my family, to my – creative instincts, but also to the people that know that'll never have a chance to try to get better, try to improve, try to make a better record every time I go out, try to make a better show every time I go out. So I'm not not taking advantage of the opportunities that I'm given. Mm, yeah, that's so good. I love I, I just feel like it's so unusual to have someone in your position who still has that attitude. Um, well, I hope I keep it and I hope I nurture it and I hope I constantly finding ways like 
whether it's writing books, doing movies, uh, talking to you, uh, sort of get, putting myself in a position to meet to meet people who teach me something constantly. I hope I always stoke that fire for my creativity, which is why I do all these things, because it help, does help my creativity and expands mm-hmm. my creativity and expands the way I look at life and the way I look at my career. And one of these days, artistically, that may go away, but hopefully it stays with me forever and just the way I live my life. Oh, I love that. I'm so inspired. And I'm I'm thinking through the career you have. And I'm like, yeah, you, you have gone into acting. You have done the books. Like, you've done all these things, which are you sort of stepping out and challenging yourself. And I always think there's that moment of, I don't know if you feel this, but when you're stepping into a new medium and you're feeling sort of the stress of, holy crap, I've never done this thing before. And I was really excellent in this area over here. And now I'm going to intentionally put myself into an arena where I could fail. That's really when we grow. That's really when you grow. And, and, and I've done that. Um, and sometimes probably I've done it subconsciously, um, th- thinking that I had the confidence to go in and do it. And then sometimes, you know, that feeling that you get sometimes when you feel like, oh, my gosh, I've stepped in over my head. Absolutely. But those are the moments that you sort of feel that, that panic inside your gut. But you continue to do it and you continue to go that you find a different place and a different gear and a different level that you can reach. And, and gosh, that's happened to me plenty of times working with fantastic actors. I mean, not only that, but getting on stage with my wife and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an average singer at best, but to sing harmony, which I can't do naturally at all, but to learn how to sing harmony with my wife, who's one of the best singers on the planet, mm-hmm. that is one of the biggest, um, things that has improved my career, I think more than anything, is to learn to sing with her. She's taught me so much as a singer, um, and she's an instinctive singer who doesn't really, it just comes naturally to her to step out there and just put on a great show and sing. For me, it's it's funny because she's sort of the type A and, and, uh, and the bass and the rock in our family when it comes to everyday life and, and, and um, real life, I guess. But when it comes to work, she likes to be spontaneous and because it all comes so natural to her. And I like everything. And I'm type A when it comes to work. I like everything <laughs> on a schedule, be in the same place every night at the right times when you're performing, all those sorts of things. So she's taught me to loosen up a little bit on stage and, and be a little more spontaneous. And maybe I've taught her to be at least be where the lights are supposed to be when we're on stage at the same time. So I've learned so much from her by stepping outside of my comfort zone and learning how to sing a little differently. I think uh, what I'm taking out of this interview, and I'm so grateful for the chance to talk to you because it gives me this perspective, is the word that keeps popping in my head is evolution. I mean, we've been watching you evolve for all of these years. And, you know, this is just the latest medium that you're stepping into with this new book to show us the tools that you have now and the things that you've gained and the wisdom that you have. So I just I want to acknowledge that and tell you how much I appreciate as a fan getting to to watch this. It's it's incredible. And I'm so grateful that you took the time to talk to us and share your stories. And um, yeah, I will go, you know, scream as soon as I hang up with you, because this is such a treat <laughs> well, for me. Um, but tell tell listeners for the new book, what's it called? Where can they get it? Where can they find out more information? Give us all those juicy details. Well, you can certainly 
go to my website, which I can't list right off the back because I'm not not so uh, um, I'm 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 more analog than I am digital. <laughs> so so I couldn't rattle off all that stuff. But the book's called uh, Grit and Grace, and it's called Train the Mind, Train the Body, and Own Your Life. And really, I wrote it because people ask me ask me questions all the time about my journey to fitness and and what it's done for me mentally, physically, personally, and professionally. And, and typically I'm in five minute interviews, so I don't have the chance to really expound on anything. And this book gives me the opportunity to expound on, on some of the things that I've done, how, how they've worked for me, how they might work for you, how may not, they may not work for everybody, but maybe it provides a little bit of, of inspiration. Maybe it provides a little bit of a how to, and maybe it provides a, at least a chance to, to look around and see how you can improve your life and, and improve the things that you do and, and, uh, and maybe give yourself a little bit of grit. Tim McGraw, thank you so much for being on the Rise podcast. Uh, we have just leveled up in a big way. You just, you know, lived an average Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever day of the week it is, but I feel like I, this is the coolest thing that has ever happened. So <laughs> thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much. It's good talking to you, Rachel. Yeah. And, and, uh, it, I, I look forward to talking to you some more.